and grab out your Bible and something to take some notes with as we study God's Word. Uh, I told you last week we kicked off a new series and we thought as the summer was kind of coming to an end, Labor Day is approaching. It's kind of been on my mind for a couple of years now, but we thought with all of you being like out and doing, you know, leisure activities and having a great time in this thousand degree weather. How many got out in like the seven seconds of rain yesterday and like danced around your yard? Anybody? You thought it was going to rain and then the weather just got you. All right, just good. Me too. That's just, I was all excited. But in this moment, we thought it'd be fun uh, to kind of take a look as you're out on your boat or on the lake or wherever it is on your friend's boat. We talked about last week, whoever it is you take advantage of to go get in a boat. We thought it'd be fun to look at some of the boat stories in scripture and then got into it and realized that most of the boat stories in scripture are pretty dark. They are pretty, have nothing to do with leisure activities, nothing to do with fun in the sun. There's mostly pain and chaos and like storms raging and tragedy striking and all these things. And yet they're there to help us grow in our faith. And so last week, week one, we looked at the boat that saved the world, Noah's Ark. Uh, We studied that, kind of a fun study that we went through. And so if you missed it, you can jump online uh, or on the podcast and check that out this week. Today, we're going to jump over to the New Testament in the book of Acts. We're going to talk about the Apostle Paul. And so let me just kind of set up the story and then we'll jump into the word. I love the Apostle Paul, one of my favorite characters in all of scripture. And so if you don't know his story, Apostle Paul rose and kind of was raised in the Pharisee sect. He was extremely educated, extremely religious. And so now he begins persecuting the church. He's this devout religious Jew and at the early church right after Pentecost. And so Jesus has gone to heaven and now Paul is persecuting the church that's exploding in Jerusalem. He's beginning to kill believers. He's instrumental in destroying the early church. And then, of course, Paul has this incredible um, moment on the road to Damascus that Jesus appears to him and says, Paul, why are you fighting against the very thing you're called to serve? You're actually destroying the thing you're supposed to be protecting. And so Paul has this incredible conversion moment. And so he begins to serve now in all these different areas of the church. But he's really called not to the Jewish people. He's called to the Gentiles. And so he begins to have this ministry to the non-Jews, to kind of the religious outsiders of the day. Begins to serve and to preach and to do all these missionary journeys, plants a bunch of churches, has this amazing ministry. But in his writing, he seems to reference so often, but I would love to visit Rome. And so he's writing and he's planting churches and he's writing back to them and he's doing all these things. But always he's saying, I'd love to visit Rome. I'd love to be there because Rome is the most influential city of his day. And so Paul is saying, I'd love to spend time with the churches there, with the Jewish churches and the Gentile, and to see some union between them, and to see people get saved, and to preach the gospel, and see it impacted from the greatest city on earth, and then outward, to have this moment in Rome. But if you see Paul's story, it doesn't quite go like that. Because we pick up his story, actually, in Acts, and he's saying, man, I'd love to see all these happen. So Acts 27, he is traveling to Rome, but it's not to hold some massive crusade. It's not to preach the gospel in all of the greatest coliseums of Rome. It's not to have this, like, incredible moment. Paul is in chains. He's on a ship, and he's headed to stand trial in Rome. And we see he actually loses his life in a prison. That's the end of his story. And so you think, Paul has this idea for his life, this incredible man of God, this incredible machine, this idea, and yet he's in chains, this idea of crusade. He doesn't preach a crusade, he dies in a prison. And yet God had something different for his life. See, if Paul had preached a crusade, I guarantee you thousands would have come to the Lord. It would have been incredible. There would have been a revival in that section of the city. It might have been this amazing thing that would have happened. And yet God had a different plan for his life. 
God said, no, Paul, you're going to be in prison. And yet from prison, Paul began to write the words that God gave him, two-thirds of the New Testament, that impacted not just thousands that he would have reached in a crusade, but millions and hundreds of millions, all the way down the generation to us today. And I'm so thankful that God had a different plan for his life. So I would just encourage you, when you have a plan that you think, this is a great plan for my life, and you're like, why can't God just get on board my plan? Why can't he just, just remember that you may have a wonderful plan. It may be a fantastic, everybody around you, it may be this incredible plan that you can see, but God probably has something better for your life, something better for his kingdom. And we just have to submit ourselves to the fact that God's plan oftentimes, actually all the time, is better than anything we could come up with. And so Paul has this thing he's longing to see to come to pass. It doesn't happen. We find him on his way to Rome, prisoner of a Roman guard, and he's on a boat. And so that's why he fits into our storyline today. And then in the midst of this journey, all of a sudden a storm comes up. He's sailing on this boat. He's had it bad enough. He's been captured. He's been prisoned. He's in chains. He's got to go plead his case to Caesar. All these things are happening. And now on this boat, a storm arises. And I just want to dedicate today to those of us who are going through a storm. For those of you that are walking through something right now, this is message, honestly, from my heart is for you. And so I just want to dedicate when you're walking, because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like you might be in a storm at this moment, like you're just like barely hanging on for dear life and nobody around you knows, or maybe the people closest to you see some things, but you're just like holding this thing together with like the skin of your teeth. You're in a storm or maybe you're just on the other side of it. And so like you, you're, it's all really fresh, but maybe you feel like you have a handle on it and you're just kind of walking out. Or maybe you feel like today that you are just like in peace. You're in quiet waters and still meadows and everything is great. I'm telling you, you are two days away from a storm. All right, everybody. I'm just, I'm just letting you know, cause that is what life is. That's the rhythm of life. You're either in a storm, going into a storm or coming out of a storm. Like there is just no other alternative for you. And so when in these storms of life, when we find ourselves cast around, when we find ourselves rocked in the rhythm of our life, we have to learn how to respond. We have to learn how to keep our faith in those moments. Especially if you're attempting to do anything for God. I just tell you, this is the rhythm of life. We talked last week a little bit about it. When you do want to do anything that would impact the kingdom, you want to step out to do anything for the call of God on your life, I promise you there is resistance coming. That we live lives, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He's talking about a certainty of the things we would face in our calling and in our ministry and the things we do when we go after the things of God in your life. There will always be resistance. Always be resistance when you want to be a light for the gospel. So we find Apostle Paul here on the ship. He's headed to Rome and they come across an intense storm. We'll pick it up in verse 13. If you've got your Bibles with us, we will pull it up on the screens as well. It says, a light wind began blowing from the south. And the sailors thought that they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and they sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly. And a wind of typhoon strength called the Northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. Several things I want you to notice before we get into the rest of this message. Things I want you to notice about what storms do to us. If you find yourself in the middle of one. Or you're headed into one. Or maybe you're coming right at things that they begin to do to us that we maybe don't recognize in the moment. And I want to shine a little bit of light. First thing is, jot it down if you're taking notes, storms are incredibly disruptive. Storms come along in the rhythm and they throw us out of the entire, because you're just like going about your life. And like all of a sudden the storm hits, like you're thinking, okay, the rhythm, I finally got this thing down. School is starting, job is going, we got all these things. And a storm shows up and completely knocks you out of the rhythm of life. 
Mike Tyson said one time, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Come on, somebody. Like, it's just, you're like, I got this thing. I got everything under control. And then a storm shows up and disrupts. You feel this wind that drives you off. Kind of like our journey of faith. I think these sailors, right, they think like, okay, this, there is a light wind blowing. But they have this moment, they're like, okay, we think we can make it. And I don't know about you, sometimes there is a light wind and you're like, okay, I know it's kind of disruptive. I know I'm starting out in my journey of faith and I've got this family to build or this ministry to start or this marriage to nurture. And it's just kind of a light wind, but I think that if I just kind of play it safe, a little bit of resistance, but if I just keep on this journey, maybe I can get through this. And then all of a sudden it says the weather began blowing and the weather changed abruptly and it blows them completely off track you get blown out to sea and maybe it's a doctor's report that comes in and says your health now is not in the place where you thought it was or maybe it's your child's health that's in danger and it completely wrecks every now you're thinking okay what treatments are necessary and what appointments do we need to make and how do we balance all of these things and you weren't even thinking about it a week ago but now you're trying to become an expert in something so you can just try to make life make sense and a storm blows you out to sea. You're trying to balance that and then the rhythm of the rest of the family. and What you're going to do to make appointments and to make this thing happen. Maybe you find out that a business partner isn't playing by the same set of rules. And so now you're sitting trying to think, okay, what's the fallout that's about to hit me? And you're having to pick up the slack to do this thing. And maybe that storm comes into your life. And you're not really sure what the fallout from this is going to be. Or maybe your child just told you they don't believe in God anymore. Or maybe they found themselves stuck in an addiction. Or maybe you found out something about their life that you never would have dreamt possible. And it reels you. And you're left thinking, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. And still keep up with whatever life is trying to throw. The storms are incredibly disruptive. If you've ever been through a storm, you understand this mentality. This idea that everything in this stormy moment is disrupting in the rhythm. It blows us out to sea. We continue the verse, verse 15. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind. So they gave up and they let it run before the gale. Second thing about storms is they're incredibly discouraging. Not only do they disrupt the rhythm of life, but then suddenly storms, there's a moment where they start to get inside of you. There's a point you start to lose your will to fight. In fact, we look at that text again. It says they gave up. They couldn't turn the ship, which means that they tried. They tried with whatever they had to try to write this thing, to try to turn it. There's an initial fight that happens when a storm comes into your life. And I think this is a healthy thing. I think as believers, when we hear a bad report or we get something that happens in our life, we're facing some adversities, we should dig in our heels and say, you know what? God has made some promises in his word. You know what? I stand on those promises. We're going to get our prayer cards out. We're going to fast and we're going to pray and we'll get some friends around us. And we're all going to pray about this thing because we are fighting this in Jesus name. This is not going to attack our family. But then if the answer doesn't come as fast as we'd like it to, what happens? We start to get discouraged. It starts to get to a point where somewhere on the inside of us, there's a point where the onslaught of the wind feels so strong. And we begin to think, you know what? The strength and the fury and the power of this wind is stronger than my ability to fight it. It says they gave up. And we think, I feel like I just have to give in. I just have to let this thing run its course. I'm tired of standing in faith. I'm tired of praying. I'm tired. I just, let's just let this thing get itself over with and let's just see what happens. And we give up. We can't turn the ship. And so storms being incredibly discouraging, we let it get inside and we just give up hope. 
It's kind of like parenting, if I'm honest with you. All right, everybody? It's a little bit like, I don't know if you know this, and this is a little bit related, kind of off track, so don't jot this down if you're taking notes, everybody. But this is the analogy that comes into my head. It's a little bit like this, because I don't know if you know this, but parenting honestly only has three stages in life. There's the pooping stage, there's the puking stage, and then they hit puberty. And then they get out of your home. Come on, somebody. So that's anywhere from 18 to 35 years, depending on your parenting style. (laughs) Wherever you are in this you know, onslaught of adolescent culture, whatever it is that you parent in, uh, when raising small children, this is just the, the pace of life. I don't know if you understand this. So the pooping stage is just like hell itself. This is just, this is how it is. There's just like poop and pee everywhere. It is just, you are living through it, but you are not actually living. It's just happening to you. All right, everybody. There's, and then they get out of diapers and you give yourself a raise. Come on, somebody. Because you no longer have to buy diapers anymore. Praise the Lord. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened in the workman household. We have been diaper free for a couple of years now. Come on, somebody. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing promise of the Lord. I just give that to you. All right. It's just, it's, it's incredible. But then you enter into puking season. And this is that moment. That's like mid-toddler age is when it starts. When they start like making friends and going on play dates and like joining teams. And they start catching random bugs from all over creation. And they are just throwing up all of the time. That's that's in this moment. Now if your family is anything like mine. When you enter into puking season. You go through phases. And so if your family's like, I don't know how you guys handle it, but like mine, if one kid starts to puke, we instantly like excommunicate them. Go to your room. You are on your own. Do not speak to anyone. Eat your meals in there. You are alone in that room. Like we are, we are going to fight this. And we begin to like say, like we're like Lysol on the handles, right? Anywhere you have been, we are Lysol. We are like throwing away toothbrushes because we are pleading the blood of Jesus. No one else is getting sick. Only you. No one else is puking. Only you. And it never works. It never, I don't know, somewhere around like the second or third kid is throwing up and you're just like, forget this. Like it's in faith. You're just like, let's all just sleep in the same bed. Let's just like share toothbrushes. Just get this thing over with. Like eat from the same cereal bowl. Like we just, this is just, just let it, whatever it wants to do, let it do. Like let's just, we're just, we're done. But praise the Lord. Like let's just let this thing run its course. Some of you are in that place of life. You're like, I've given up. I I have no fight left in me. I have no way of addressing this. Let's just let this thing happen. Let it run its course. Let it do what it wants to do. And we'll see what, let it ruin my life. And see what comes of it. Verse 18, it goes on. Paul says, the next day, this gale force wind continues to batter the ship. So they've already given up. They're just letting the wind take them where it wants. And the crew began throwing the cargo Overboard. They even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. Third thing is fascinating to me. It happens to us as well. If you're taking notes, jot it down. Storms are incredibly disorienting. It's fascinating how we go from disrupting our lives and now it feels difficult to resist. And it feels like we can't make a change. So we get discouraged and we get to the place where we start to give up and we start to make really horrible decisions about what it is that's actually sustaining us. See, the guys are throwing away supplies that they need to even navigate the ship. They're throwing away supplies that would preserve them. But in the middle of the storm, they don't care. In the middle of the storm, they're just trying to do what their crazy brains are saying would preserve them or would save their lives. The things that would actually stabilize the ship, they're throwing into the water. And yet that's not too dissimilar to how we react to storms of life. That we walk through things when chaos sets in and emotional or spiritual or turmoil in our lives oftentimes we stop eating or we eat everything in sight come on somebody like we just let ourselves we stop exercising we stop spending time in god's word we stop spending time in worship we stop coming to church stop hanging out with brothers and sisters in christ 
We stop having those times and moments where we worship. Start First thing we sacrifice is our prayer time. We start throwing these things overboard that would actually be the thing. Somewhere along the way, we start to think, well, maybe if I just medicate with the things of the world, it'll help me to ease the pain. Or to ease the struggle or the chaos. We're so disoriented, we're throwing away the actual important things in our life trying to survive. Trying to make it. Just like the sailors, in verse 20 we see why the terrible storm raged now for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. See, the principle here is, in those days, the sun and the stars, that's how you would navigate the ship. It's kind of the guidepost, if you will. So in the day, you could navigate by the sun, by night, by the stars, to see where you are and to chart your course. Now this has been taken. So these guys can't see where they're supposed to go. And so they've given up hope on even surviving. They can't even tell where they are, where they're supposed to see. When you don't have vision for the future, you'll lose hope in the present. When you can't see where you're supposed to go, you will lose hope. Maybe you've been standing in faith that God would reconcile Or heal your marriage because you have an ideal in your mind of what it would look like to be a godly couple, to be a light to the world around you. Maybe you have this faith in your mind that your child would come home, but you can't see it. And the devil would love to get up in your mind and get you to believe that he'll never change or she'll never change. Or this thing would never come to pass or God could never love or help a person like you or there's never any hope. And you lose sight of it. You give up hope and there's no more fight left told you today is dedicated to those who are in a storm right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Ten times more than whatever it is that I could say. Because you're in it. And the sun and the moon and the stars are all blotted out. And you've given up hope because you can't see any way past it. There's no more fight left. Or maybe in your life you thought, okay, I'm finally going to get myself healthy. Or I'm going to start to exercise. Or I've got to get in shape. Or you're struggling with a sickness and you stood in faith that God would heal you. You took the medication and thought, this is the time. This round is the one that will do it. But then it doesn't work the way you thought it would. Or you start to mix them. Or you're so tired you can't even get out of bed in the morning. Or you can't play with your kids because you can't just get rid of the fog that's in your brain. And you're walking through those moments and you just can't see any progress. And after that period is for several days or several weeks or several months or several years... You just give up. You say, I fought long enough. I gave enough of my strength. You start to think it's never going to change. Can't fight any longer. The same thing is true for our careers, for our kids, for our ministry that God has called us to build. You begin to think when we're not seeing any progress, we lose vision and we think, well, God has spoken to my heart, but I just, I can't see it. And so we lose hope. And we say, I'll just throw this. So why am I expending energy into this if I can't see past it? Begin to get into that place where we think, well, God has just abandoned me. I, I can't see past the storm. And so God will do all those things in other people's lives. We see everybody else sailing their boats out in the leisure activities that we talked about. We see everybody else having this great time. We're thinking, why am I the one in the storm? Why am I the one coming through? And we give up hope saying, well, God will do it for them, but there's no way he could do it for me. And I've met people strong Strong Christians who are able to give hope and the truth of God's word to everybody around them, but they'll never speak it to themselves. They'll never accept it. We think, well, I just have to give up. And we're tempted in that moment to lose all hope. And the thing I hope you hear today, if you're in that place, as defeating as it feels, is that storms are temporary. They're temporary. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. I'm here to tell you today, it too shall pass. 
We're going to talk about this in just a moment, but you are going to get to the other side of whatever dark moment it is that you are living through. Even though it may feel like it engulfs your entire life right now, God is going to see you through it. That you have a hope in him that cannot be shaken. You are going to make it. I know sometimes it feels like storms will never end. I know in the middle of it, it feels like there is no way out of this and there is no end to that. So we throw away our ministry. We throw away our witness. We think it's just not worth the pain or the ridicule that it brings to my life or the stress that it adds. It's just that we throw it out. It's just not worth it to follow the Lord in this season. I would just stand and encourage you. Don't throw it all away. Hebrews talks about this in chapter says this. Don't throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. He's writing to believers who are like, this is too much to follow the Lord. This is too much to stand in the storm. No, Hebrews says, don't do that. There is a reward coming when you persevere. When you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. God is going to answer his word. You say, well, I just can't see it anymore. Listen to me. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean God can't do it. Just because your eyes can't see past the storm doesn't mean you don't serve a God who is bigger than the storm that you are walking through. And so we got to set our eyes on not what we are walking in, but set our eyes on the God who sustains us in the midst of it. When we are walking through the storm, our God is bigger than anything. And his word stands true. His promises are sure. His, His promises, his word is yes and amen. His word is true. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Great is his faithfulness. Great is his mercy. That he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. But you got to settle in your heart what is true. you got to settle in your heart what God's word has said. And I'm going to stand in confidence knowing that if God promised it to me, it will come to pass. That if God says it in his word, he will be faithful to fulfill it. Your storm, whatever you are facing, is temporary. But God is eternal. His word stands firm. And you say, well, what do I do in the midst of the storm? Back to Paul, verse 21. It says, he stands up before all the people. So Paul's on the boat. The water's coming over the side. Paul stands up. He's like, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. And then you would have spared yourself this damage and this loss. Don't you love a preacher who stands up in the middle of your storm and is like, I told you so. Come on, somebody. You got to love Paul. Like, like there is chaos in this moment. Like water is coming over the sides of the ship. People are running around throwing stuff overboard. Like there is madness. And the captain's like trying to keep his sailors in line, trying to keep these people from like jumping into the sea. And Paul stands up and he's like, I told you not to watch that TV show. I told you not to go to that movie. I told you not to get in that club. I told you not to get your kids in that. I told you not to go to the bar. I told you what I told. And now here you are. Your life's a mess. Love Paul. I love Paul in this day. He just, he's my, gosh, Paul's just my, I aspire to be. That's Paul. Like in the midst of this chaos, Paul's like, I told you. Like Paul's just rubbing his thumb in there. Like I told you not to do all that. But now, don't you love parts of scripture like that? Don't you love verses in there that are kind of like that? Like Paul is not, Paul's like, but now I urge you. Like this is not a verse that is written. This is not a, a statement that is given to people who made all of the right choices in the storm. Paul is saying this to people who made all of the wrong choices in the storm. You understand this? Paul stands up at this moment. They chose to go out there. They chose to throw things. They chose to do all of this stuff. Paul's like, I know you chose it, but here's, there's still a chance for you to get out of this. There's still a chance. You made every wrong decision in the world, but there's still this. I don't know what storm you are walking through. I don't know what thing you are going through. I don't know what thing you are coming up against, but God is still God and he is still on his throne. And I promise you. There is still redemption and renewal for your life. There is still a chance out of this thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is that you're walking through. But I promise you that God is still God. 
His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. There is still hope for your life. But you're going to have to do a couple of things first. Watch this. You might be in the storm today. And it could be the devil coming against your life. It could be your own stupid mistakes got you where you are. We'll just throw that out there. We'll be real today. All right? You don't have to tell anybody on your left or your right. But it could be your own mistakes. I don't care how you got there. Let's talk about how you get out. Let's talk about what you do to get out of it. Paul said, now I'm urging you keep up your courage. Keep up your courage. That word courage, that doesn't mean like bravery or anything like that. Bravery or strength. That word is actually joy. That word is actually keeping up the joy inside of your life in the midst of the storm. It means to be of good cheer. Paul is saying in the midst of the storm, be joyful. The way we do that, number one, jot it down if you're taking notes. We've got to set our focus. We got to have the right focus. Make sure we're focused on the right thing. Paul says you got to keep your joy in the midst of the stress, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm. And I hope you know by now that external storms should not steal your internal joy. That you should not allow anything that happens on the outside of you to be able to rock or to shake the faith and the joy that you have. That because of Christ Jesus, the joy of the inside. The Bible says it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. That's our core. But the devil would love to steal your outlook. He'd love to seal your perspective of life. Paul says, hey, keep up your courage. Verse 22, keep up your courage. And here's how you do it. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. See, the key to joy is perspective. The key to joy is perspective in our lives. Paul says, not one of you will be lost, but the ship will be destroyed. Now, don't miss this because this is insignificant. I, I just want you to understand too many times we lose our joy because we attach it to temporal things. Now, in this analogy, in this story, it's the ship. They're thinking, this is where, if the ship would just come through this, I will keep my joy. If the ship would just go to still waters, I would keep them. Paul's like, listen, you've attached it to this thing. This thing is going down. You've attached it to something temporal, but keep up your courage because none of you will be lost, but the ship is going to be destroyed. I just have to let you guys know that. When we tie our joy to the things of this life, to our finances, to the economy, to the comforts that we just can't seem to let go of. If we tie it to those things. But I'm just saying, if you worship God for what he does instead of who he is, your faith will get shipwrecked in the storms of this life. If you tie your things to the things that are given to you and the things you can't seem to let go of. Because there are times that your ship gets destroyed. There are times where you lose your job. There are times where you lose the house or the car. And if your faith in God depends on never facing that kind of adversity, you are going to lose your faith. And we are called to walk through these things. Paul says the ship's going to be destroyed. The things that don't really matter are going to fall away in the midst of the storm. And you and I are going to have to settle in our hearts that that is okay because we are not living for the things of this world. We're not living for the temporal or even for this world itself. We are living for the eternal and that's where we have to put our focus. Bible even talks about that, that you are aliens and strangers in a strange land, that we are not citizens of this earth, that we are citizens of heaven, and that we eagerly await a Savior from there, Christ Jesus, our Lord. That we should not be living as citizens of this place. Yet too many of us want to make earth heaven. I think in America, we've got to shift in our hearts what really matters to us. Because even this life, as precious as it is, is a temporal thing. And I think some of us are okay up to the point, yeah, I can lose my job, I can lose my car, yeah, I can lose, the economy can tank, I can do all those things. But even this life is the vapor, is a mist, is a temporal thing. The Bible talks about that it's here one day, gone the next, it's here and then thrown into the, it, this life is so short. And that it will be a blink of an eye, the snap of a finger, one day we'll stand face to face with our creator and that will be the real reality. 
That will be the true eternity. That is the life that matters. But we won't live that way. The way that actually matters unless we get our focus and our perspective correct. And this is one of my favorite verses. Philippians, Paul demonstrates what his perspective is. He says, even for me, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, even for me to live is Christ. He says, great, but to die is gain. As Paul is talking about, he says, even to live is Christ, but dying might be even better. If you're living for this life, you're going to be in trouble because the Bible talks about no weapon formed against you would prosper. It never said no weapon would be formed. It just said it wouldn't have the final word. The weapons are going to be formed. And as we walk through these things in life, understand there will always be storms that come against us. There will always be storms that form. And so Paul is living with this tension. In fact, in this verse, he goes on to say, man, I, I really live with a tension of which one I want to do. He says, if I stay here in this life, that would be better for you. I can preach the gospel. I can see more souls saved. I can live it. But if I die, are you kidding me? I get to be in the presence of Jesus. And so I live with this. Can you imagine if you and I lived with that tension? And I'm preaching to myself first today. If we live with the actual tension that you can take it all from me, you can persecute me, you can beat me, you can make fun of me, you can say whatever it is you want about me. You can treat me however you want to treat me. You can do these things because this world isn't my home. This earth isn't my destination. I am living for an eternity that maybe my eyes in the natural can't see. We've got to set our eyes and set our focus because I am a child of the kingdom and my salvation is bought by the blood of Jesus. We have to set our focus to set our perspective. There's no storm strong enough that could rock what God wants to do in our lives. Verse 23, Paul goes on, Last night an angel of the Lord to whom I belong. And whom I serve stood beside me. Paul's like kind of digging in a little like the angel, the God I serve. Not you guys, you bunch of heathens. God I serve and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Paul's just up there like, one more time, I am amazing. You will all live because I am here. I love Paul. Paul's just, so keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. The way we maintain our joy, we maintain the right perspective is that faith we have in God. Number two, jot it down if you're taking notes. You got to keep your faith. You got to keep your faith. Got to stay grounded in the word of God, grounded in your relationship with God. Don't throw the things that matter overboard. Storms have this incredible way of driving you either from God or driving you to him. In the midst of a storm, it's amazing. And through my just pastoral relationships with people. I have seen this over and over again. Storms either drive you from God or they drive you to him. And I don't know which one happened in your life, but when you're in the midst of the storm and you are battling and darkness surrounds you, don't throw out the things of God. Don't throw away your worship times or your moments that you spend in the presence. Don't throw away your time spent in the word of God. Don't throw away your time spent with the people of God. Don't throw away... I promise you the first thing we sacrifice to our overloaded schedule is that time in prayer that we spend with the Lord. Don't throw away the things that you need to actually survive. We think, I'm just, I'm just doing this in a season. I'm just doing, Paul says, I know without a shadow of a doubt what God has said to me. That the angel of the Lord said, and I have faith that God will do what he has said. You've got to stand in the midst of the storm and say, I know it doesn't align. What I see doesn't align with what I believe, but I know the God that I have placed my trust and my faith in. That he will hold me steady in the middle of the storm. That he'll hold me steady. That I know it will come to pass that he will honor his word. Verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urges them all, you got to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. Some of you are like, for the last 14,000 days, I have been. He said, you have gone in constant suspense. Gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. So I'm urging you to take some food. You need it. 
to survive. Number three, if you're going to make it through the storm, you've got to watch your fuel. I almost made this point, you've got to watch your balance. You've got to watch the balance of your life. It's amazing how the devil will use these seasons of disruption to deplete you. When you're in spiritual chaos... When you're suffering from emotional chaos or physical chaos, when your storm is in your physical, we tend to neglect the things that are important. Paul says for 14 days, you haven't eaten. You're nervous about the storm. You're in suspense. You're doing this. You haven't eaten anything at all. Now, look, I preach a lot during our series and during our season and things. Let me just pastor you for just a moment. If you are in a storm, if you are in the midst of something that is coming against you, whether in your physical or spiritual, emotional, if you're in chaos, if your life in there, let me just pass to you for just a moment. You and I have a job to maintain the temple that God has given us. And I promise you in the middle of a storm is the moment when you will throw everything else away and you will see chaos spread not only in your physical body, but in spiritual and your relational. It will spread to every part of you when you let one discipline go and you live your life undisciplined. That you've got to get those things into place. But you say, I've got to live with some kind of... You're not getting up in the morning or you're not able to even go out and see anybody. You're not able to do anything. Because when we get in storms, we fall apart. Like we said before, we don't exercise or we don't eat right. Or we eat everything in sight. Or we let these things wander. Or we let these things decay and die. Or we get into things that we think will take the edge off of life. We self-medicate and we begin to do these things that actually destroy the life that God has given us to live. Now listen to me clearly, I never want to forfeit my destiny because I didn't keep myself disciplined in the middle of a storm. I never want to throw away the things that God has for me to accomplish because I didn't keep a discipline in the middle of the storm that I was walking through. And so if I can just pass, I say this in all love and all care that I have for you. You got to watch yourself in the middle of these things. You've got to begin to watch yourself, your physical disciplines, your relational disciplines, your spiritual disciplines most of all. That you would take care for those things, those times spent in the presence of the Lord, those things that are actually keeping you. Some of you got to evaluate your life. I know it's hard to do when the storms are raging. I, if you are in that moment, my heart breaks for you, but I promise those are the things that are keeping you. Relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ, the ones called to come around you and to pray, don't neglect those. They are what's keeping you. The time you spend in God's word, don't neglect that. That is what's keeping you. You have to begin, even in the middle of the storm, you've got to keep your discipline. You've got to keep it. You know why? Because as we close, verse 43, Paul gives us instructions. To those who can swim, I need you to jump overboard first. And get to land. So those who can swim, jump overboard first and get to land. You're going to have to be ready. Number four, jot it down if you're taking notes. You've got to be ready to fight. And I used to read this verse. I always came to this spot in the story and I would think, that's about right. Come on, Paul. you got to tell. Yeah, that's about. you got to. At some point, you can't have grandma praying for you. you got to get up on your own two feet and you got to fight. Come on, somebody. You just, at some point, you got to be able. you got to fight for what matters. At some point, you got to stand up and do something for your own life. At some point, that's just, come on. you just got to be that. But watch why. Watch this in verse 44. It says, the others, though, held on to plank or debris from the broken ship. And so everybody escaped safely to shore. Now listen to me. I want to address a couple of things. Because I do think there is a moment for all of us when we got to jump out of the boat and we got to do our part. Because there's an attitude in our culture that has been creeping up. It is an attempt to sabotage you in the life God has called you to live. 
And that is this idea that because somebody else caused your tragedy, because somebody else caused your pain, because somebody else caused the storm, because somebody else did whatever it was, because somebody else caused the thing that you're walking through, it should be up to somebody else to rectify and to save the situation. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. It is sent to sabotage your life and to keep you. God alone is the one who holds your future. And if you think somebody else needs to rectify your situation, you are putting the hands and the fate of your life into the hands of somebody else. God alone determines the outcome of your life. God alone determines the days that you live. God alone determines the calling on your life. But the devil would love, love to think and to make you think that you are incapacitated. Or that you're unable to make an impact for the kingdom. Or that you're not worthy to do something for the kingdom of God. And so you should just curl up in a ball, suck your thumb and stay on the boat till somebody else comes to get you. He would love to take you out of the fight. But I'm just here to tell you, if you are not living the calling and answering the call God has on your life, you are taking somebody else's life raft. You are taking something else that people in this world need to survive. There are people who have not heard the gospel, who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. People who cannot swim for themselves. And I'm just saying it's time for us to get our butts out the boat and swim to shore and stop taking the place that is meant for somebody else to survive. That's meant for somebody else to live. That we're called to make a difference. We have got a gospel to preach. We have got a world to save. The ship is going down. And you and I are the light of the world, Jesus said. He won the victory at the cross of Calvary over sin, hell, death, and the grave. Over any death that you would ever walk through. And so it doesn't matter what storm you are facing. It does not matter what you are walking through. If you will settle in your heart who God is. If you will settle in your heart that his word is true yesterday, today, and forever. Not only will you survive your storm. You'll be a light to the world that is lost and hurting. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. Father, I just pray we would be strengthened. Some of you here today, you need fresh vision for your life. You can't see past the storm that you're in. You can't see what the calling of God is on your life. We've got to set our focus. I'm just praying that we would rectify our perspective. That God would show us eternity in light of that, how small the storm is. Let's renew our faith today. Before I pray that prayer, though, I want to give an invitation. And maybe you're here and you're in a storm. Maybe you're not in the boat. Maybe you've never heard the gospel. Or maybe you have, but in some time in your past, something happened. You walked through a storm and it drove you as far from God as you could possibly imagine. And now you're saying, I'm getting tossed around by everything. And so it sounds nice, Pastor, for God to have a future for me. It sounds nice for God to have purpose for my life, but I'm so tossed by the storm and I'm so far from him. I don't think it could ever happen. Listen to me. The devil would love to get in your thoughts right now to try to tell you that you're not worth it, to try to tell you that God could never love a person like you. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. God loves you. God still wants you. And no matter what it is that you are in, no matter what the storm is, I promise you God did not cause the pain in your life, but he can rescue you from it. That he can make you brand new, that there is salvation still available for you. You can never run too far. You can never fight too hard. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place on a cross. But he didn't stay dead. The Bible says three days later that God raised him from the dead. That anyone could call in the name of Jesus and be saved. Anyone. Including you. 
That you could call on the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about joining this church. I'm not talking about coming to a small group. I'm not talking about any of those things. All of that is important in your life. But right now I'm talking about calling on the name of Jesus and being saved. That you have a moment right now to make a decision for your life. Nobody else can make it for you. You have a choice. And I don't know what will happen outside of here. I don't know the journey your life will take. I don't know the decisions and the things. I know that in this moment you have a chance. And so I'd love to pray with you that prayer of surrender. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or come to the front. I'm not in this to embarrass you. I just want to connect you with the Savior, with Jesus. So every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If right now you say, that's me, I'm in a storm. I can't see past it. But I believe that Jesus died for me and so I want to give my life to him. If that's you right now, pray this prayer with us. Our church would love to pray it with you. Nobody prays alone. And I can give you the words, but again, you have to make the decision yourself. So church, let's pray with those. You say, right now, I want to make that choice. Let's pray with those in this moment. Say, Jesus, save me. I repent of all of my sin, of all my mistakes. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose again. And I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every person in this church. God, for the life that you've called them to live by your power, that we are more than overcomers, that you have called us to walk through the storm, not only for our own sake, but to be a light to the world around us. So God, we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do. All that you're going to do through the storm that we face. All that you're going to do through the example that we can lead in this world. All that you're going to do through the gospel that we can preach. All that you're going to do through your people that you have called. I thank you for lives that are changed. I thank you for your hope and your strength in the midst of the storm. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's church said, Amen and Amen. Come on church, can we give God praise for what he's done today?